my name is Crispina French and promoting creative textile reuse is my jam. I'm an OG textile alchemist, worked my way through art school making ragamuffins from thrift store sweaters way back in the 1980s. That college side hustle grew into a full-fledged business and here I am today to show you how to do it too. Stick around for all the things helping to navigate both the chaotic and dreamy chapters of building your profitable textile upcycling business. We'll talk material sourcing, business savvy, product development, marketing, and self-care. Gloss over the hard parts? Not here. Experience, lessons, and know-how. Deep dive into the struggles, wins, and rewards of running your sustainable textile upcycling business. Think of this as your favorite craft class mixed with environmental business school. Are you ready to be inspired, energized, and supported? This is the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. Are you a textile-centric crafter who loves vintage yardage, unusual fabrics, notions, and sewing tools and tutorials? Maybe you are a sewing teacher in need of cool and inexpensive cloth for students. Whether sewing high-end bespoke couture or experimenting with new textile-making processes, SwansonsFabrics.com, located in the heart of Turner's Falls, Massachusetts, has just what you need. You can shop online or at the very well-organized and jam-packed store. Swanson's Fabrics is a thrift shop of fabric, notions, and textile tools. It's a community repurposing the leftover collections of home sewers, addressing the reality that we have enough fabric and craft supplies for generations stored right in our very own attics and closets. Swanson's makes it very easy to pass on an excessive fabric stash and find inspirational treasure for sewing projects. Additionally, Katherine Swanson hosts an online group for entrepreneurs interested in using her business model for fabric thrift stores in their communities. Find Swanson Fabrics at swansonfabrics.com and on TikTok and Instagram. Hello out there. I am so excited to introduce you to uh, a, a business slash not-for-profit organization slash think tank of amazing women that is called Around the World in 80 Fabrics. Um, there are actually three people involved with this organization, and I hear Carol, one of them, is on expedition at the moment. So we are lucky here today to introduce you to Tierney and to Leslie Robertson, who work together on this really, it's kind of cutting edge stuff, you guys. I'm really excited to share you with my audience. So um, tell us, Leslie and um, and Tierney are here. They, they live Carmel, California and Texas. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So um, it might be a little hard to differentiate voices that we haven't met yet. So Leslie, just take a minute and introduce yourself. Okay, perfect. So I'm Leslie Robertson, um, Outreach Director with Around the World in 80 Fabrics. Um, and I joined last year this amazing project that I'm excited about. My background is actually in textiles. I taught for about 15 years at the University of North Texas um, in all types of textile design and art, um, as well as engagement programming. So I have a background in education, but also in making. Uh, I've spent a lot of time working with artists and groups across the globe and have garnered a huge appreciation for anything textile related um, and especially natural materials. And so when uh, I was contacted by an intern 
from around the world in 80 fabrics last year about uh, some of my, my research on Ugandan bark cloth, I said, uh, so I can definitely send you bark cloth, but can I also ask about the project and somehow stick my foot in there and, <laughs> and get in there and work with you all on it? Because it just, just the, the, the concept and the interdisciplinary part of it just fascinated me. And so with, with my background in textiles, I just felt like it was a great compliment to what Tierney and Carol brought as founders for the project. So I'll turn it over to Tierney if that works. Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks for that. That's really helpful. So Tierney, yes, nice to meet you. And I'm really excited to learn more about your background too. Yeah, no, wonderful to be here. Thanks for the invite. Um, yeah, my name is Tierney Teast. I'm calling in from um, California. Carmel, California. And this project actually came from, um, I'm, a, I'm a marine biologist by training and by career and kept seeing more and more of my study sites filling up with plastic and my study animals being entangled and eating plastic. And this rather jarring epiphany that 35% of ocean microfiber plastics comes from our clothing and that we're wrapping ourselves in petroleum-based clothing 60% of which, um, you know, is, is fossil fuel based, um, was, was a, a sobering realization. And when, um, I was, I happened to be coaching a middle school team that was doing a national geographic competition to tackle real world problems. One of those being plastic pollution. And I was coaching them and we decided as a group to, to look at non-petroleum-based fabrics. And to display that, we wanted to make a quilt. So we went to secondhand stores and we, we got all sorts of amazing silks and linens and cottons. One of the benefits of living in Carmel, you got some great <laughs> consignment in secondhand stores. And um, we put together this beautiful quilt, which turned out to be a tremendously powerful teaching vehicle. And, and, a, and a lovely thing in, in itself. And that project ended. The kids learned a lot um, and they went on, but I was down the wormhole when it came to looking at alternatives to petroleum-based clothing and fabrics on the whole. So um, I've worked with National Geographic um, for 20 some odd years, and that's given me the opportunity to go to many, many countries and, and meet many different cultures, all of which have textile traditions. And through that, I've seen that this is such a deep part of humanity, is our relationship with cloth and what we wrap ourselves in from, you know, the moment of birth <laughs> onward. Yeah. Um, and it's just that, and it touches every aspect of, of our lives, as well as the environment. So... As a marine conservationist, I found that fashion was really a Trojan horse for every single environmental issue, and I could reach audiences far beyond what I was normally reaching in my marine conservation work. So that is so cool, because honestly, I feel exactly the same way. It's interesting. Textiles is kind of like, the, it's like, I, I call it the gateway yeah. uh, recycling, mm -hmm. like the gateway of awareness, right? Like we all are wrapped in textiles from the day we are born to literally the day we die. And we have, because of that, I feel like we have a real connection to textiles, like physical connection. And it gives us the capacity and the ability to make change happen, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can change 
how we consume textiles because we do consume textiles. So um, it's so cool. And I'm so excited to just learn more about your project. So um, one of the things that I also feel um, pertains to this conversation is that, you know, when people can come into the textile, you know, fashion, right? Like fashion textiles, they, they can make wiser choices with information that is um, shared by people like you guys. And it can also lead to other lifestyle changes that really benefit them and the planet and our kind of global community in, in so many different ways. So um, share a little bit about your four pillars we were talking about before we got started. I'd love to know more about that. Yeah, so the project is, is um, we're still in hunter-gatherer mode, and we're gathering all manner of different fabrics and um, raw materials for our traveling museum exhibit and interactive outreach program, which is very rich. And, and um, Leslie, I'll hand it over to Leslie to talk more about that. But our four pillars essentially are animal-based um, so they're with a raw material lens. That's that's what differentiates us from from other textile projects. So, can I interrupt for one second, Tierney? So, when you're talking about your four pillars, you're talking about four types of or four pillars of textiles. Am I mm-hmm. right? Well, and four and let me jump in. Yeah, and so I'll jump in because one of the things when I first joined the project was coming from a textile realm. We're used to seeing decorative fabric that has had a life to it after it was made, right? So it was intended for a use or turned into an object or decorated by the surface or dyed on the top. We're really interested in the fabric itself, right? Which is that material that can then be turned into something. If the that gives a, the raw material, right? So the raw okay, woven, perfect. knit, felted, whatever raw material. Um, and Tierney will talk about out of what is the four pillars. Right. Okay. Thanks. Because that's, um, you know, the problem is, is the raw material of so many of our fabrics are petroleum based that doesn't degrade for hundreds of years and carries many other kinds of pollutants on it. So we're really interested in making the raw material as sustainable, ethical, responsibly sourced as possible and a win-win for the environment. So with that in mind, we have four genres of raw materials, one being animal based. So you think wool, wools from sheep, yak, alpaca, muskox. Another pillar is plant-based. Think hemp, flax, which is linen, cottons, um, and all manner of other banana, <laughs> you know, nettle. Um, and another is biofabricated. So harnessing the power of synthetic biology to create um, to 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 have microbes create cellulostic material from agricultural feedstock or from the waste of of um, steel mills, they have bacteria that can that can live off the CO two emissions of steel mills and make a fabric from it. And then wait 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 you're blowing my mind. <laughs> you're going to make fabric with microbes out of waste from steel mills. That the, I, I don't even know what to say. Like I've never even heard of that. That is so flipping cool. Well, microbes so, are amazing. Microbes are really the the future of this planet of our species. The the more we can learn about microbes, the better off we'll be to ensure our survival on this planet. <laughs> okay, I, I this is amazing. So this is is this your background? Is this the science part coming in? The microbio the sorry the marine biology that's like. Yeah. Part of what you're carrying into this this textile um, 
project that you're working on? Well, I'm I'm truly fascinated by by how we create these raw materials and what we can harness from the biological world to to create them in the most um, environmentally friendly way. And this world of biofabrication and synthetic biology and designing organisms like microbes to create fabrics is um, there's so much potential there. And it's, and it's so exciting. And we were, um, Carol and I, the other, um, Carol Dunham, uh, we, we presented at the Biofabricate Summit created by Suzanne Lee in Brooklyn, New York. And if any of your listeners would like to just Google the word biofabricate, it'll bring them to that summit and they will see the future. <laughs> it's really, that cool. is very exciting. Um, I, I, literally, I, 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 I wish that you could see my jaw. It's like on the table. This is, I've never even heard of this. You're opening my mind to something that is just, I have been trying to imagine how our future will look with the amount of waste that we generate as humans, how do we manage it? And I think you just answered that question for me. Well, this is like part, it's a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. There's many others, like when, when it comes to recycling used cotton and, um, you know, there's mechanical recycling and chemical recycling. And, um, and then there's other ways of using ionic liquids to anneal fibers so that you can actually upcycle them instead of downcycle them. So there's all sorts of tools that are out there to, to do this. Um, and they're getting better and more efficient uh, all the time. And, but so then the, the second, the, the last pillar of the four is recycling. And, you know, this idea of taking the waste or the dead stock or the pre-consumer waste, the post-consumer waste, and finding ways of, of upcycling it and, and revaluing it so that we can, you know, do away with this concept of trash and, and make beauty out of trash. So, so that those yeah. pillars, and and so we're really excited about the work that you've been doing in that in that whole recycling upcycling world. Well, let me jump in too because I, I think what's wonderful about this project, and and um, Christina, I do the same thing that you do when Tierney, you know, brings in some of these new bio fabrics. It's um, because of our background in textiles and the way that we understand materials. It, it blows our it blows my mind all the time, and it's fabulous to work on a project that is inter, truly interdisciplinary, where you have the perspective of Tierney as a scientist, you have the perspective of Carol as an anthropologist, and myself as a textile person, where we can take the same fabric and view it in so many different ways, but also kind of be a bridge for each other in our fields. And I think that's why it's so important in these type of projects and this type of work is to work as interdisciplinary as possible because I still don't understand how microbes work. And I will never probably understand how they work, but I don't have to because Tierney's here. And she's the <laughs> one that can help digest the information and, and tell us how that works. And so I just want to say, I think that's one of the f- very special things about around the world is that it has, it has ways to look at fabrics and access to fabrics and interest in fabrics that m- wouldn't have occurred if it was just me working on the project. And I think that's what's very, very special. I think that that's sort of also the future, right? Like we have historically, I mean, it's funny how this has played such a big role in in my business where I had a production company and I manufactured, you know, recycled potholder rugs and blankets and clothing and accessories and toys. And 
people would come into my booth or see my work and they'd say to me, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I bet I could make that. And I would encourage them to try because mm-hmm. God knows I can't recycle all this stuff. I, I, there's no way in hell I could do I, I'm, I'm, My life's work is to make global impact and textile consumption. And I know that I can't do that by myself. And when I wrote a teaching book, people thought I was bonkers. Like, why are you teaching people to have a business like yours? And my response to that was, they, we have to, we have to share, we have to encourage, we have to nurture and support each other in our mission to find the balance in human consumption. And it, for me, it starts with textiles. I feel like that's a pretty safe and easy way for people to come into an awareness of our need to just bring the consumption down to a place where it's reasonable, right? And where we can actually think about there being an environmental balance. So um, I think that is actually just exactly what you just said about how, you know, you have your textile background. Tierney is a scientist, Carol, the anthropologist. So there's, there's these three kind of pieces that are working together. And I feel like when you're able to share freely and, and I call it open source creativity when I, um, you know, I share and I try to encourage people to, yeah, try it and see and make it yours and, and take this idea and you don't have to reinvent the wheel because we've all, you know, wheels are really cool. <laughs> Please use my wheel. Today's episode of Rags to Riches podcast is brought to you by the Stitcherhood Recycling Society, my online membership community for creative textile upcycling, recycling, and reuse entrepreneurs. Inspiration, shared experience, tutorials, business savvy, and connection to a whole posse of people who understand the passion and intricacies of running an environmentally kind creative textile upcycling biz. Daily posts, Weekly stitch hours, book recommendations, group chats, member profiles, and strong connections is what you can expect when you join Stitcherhood. Head on over to stitcherhood.crispina.eco and sign up for a free seven-day trial to see if my Stitcherhood Recycling Society is a good fit for you and your textile upcycling business. So now this around the world in 80 fabrics, I love that. That is so your, your four pillars kind of built into this globe encompassing travel slash project slash inquisition. I'm imagining to just like find these fabrics, find these makers. Is that right? Share a little bit more about that. Yeah. So we're um, uh, uh, within those four pillars. We're looking for the most compelling stories. Um, and our goal is to elevate and celebrate the wild biodiversity and cultural diversity that are behind, behind um, you know, these myriad fabrics that are, that are better for the planet than what we currently have. And so we're trying to, we are, you know, going to every corner of the globe to find the best stories and to tell those stories and to elevate the the voices of the makers. Well, I think too, you know, part of what what our our goal is is you know, even though we always are clothed and textiles and clothing have such a close connection to us, we don't realize that they're made, you know, that that hands and people are behind them, right? They just become these very blank and siloed objects. And so our goal is really to make sure that 
you know, whether it's a small maker in Uganda pounding bark cloth or whether it's someone that's, um, you know, like Huston Textile working in with, you know, uh, um, larger machinery to to create the selvage cotton. We want to tell the stories behind who's who's behind the fabric, so that as we're making decisions on what we're going to put on our body, that we might not buy five shirts, right? That we don't know where they came from, or we can't trace them. We might decide to clothe ourselves or bring things into our home that have um, a very deep connection to uh, the place and the person or a group. Tierney and I were just together um, this past weekend at her place, and we have we have a library. We have an actual collection of fabrics from. I, we haven't even categorized how many countries yet, but it's over 150 plus, maybe closer to 200 fabrics from. You know, I'm looking at the sheet right now. We have fique from Colombia. We have linen from Ireland and Portugal. We have lotus from Cambodia. We have nettle from Ukraine, pineapple from the Philippines. That's just out. Oh, water hyacinth from the Philippines. Raffia from Congo. Uh, it's mulberry bark from Samoa. Okinawa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, and, oh yeah, the banana from, yeah, from Okinawa. It's really exciting to see the diversity. And we haven't even gone to all the plants yet. So there's one in Indonesia that I'm getting very fascinated with as we're looking at rounding out the collection. It's called Doyo from Indonesia. So I want to dig into that and learn about how that's this, you know, plant that has the long, thin leaves is processed into wearable and usable fabrics. So that's so tell me the name of that again. I that was you got a little bit um this the connection was a little sorry about that the name of that yeah Doyo D O Y O. So it's it's on our wish list of things. Um uh, so, it, you know, and that was actually through Selvage that um, I learned about that, that plan in particular. So, but it's just filled, you know, the collection is filled with so many beautiful things from all across the world. And really interesting, fascinating materials, like Tierney was saying, that are biofabricated, things that you wouldn't have even imagined or possible. Oh, cool. Yeah. So once you have your library collected, then you have like an outreach kind of an education component. Am I right? Yeah, uh, so we we tested that out this summer. We were invited by the Smithsonian Folklife Festival uh, to be a part of the Earth Optimism uh, section of the festival. And so we were there for two weeks every day with probably 30 to 40 of our fabrics where we had them out displayed and had different programming around some of them so that people could actually come in, gently touch them, see these things in person, read the stories about them. You know, everyone, of course, had a label and um, QR codes back to the the source. And, and it became this wonderful array of fabrics that when people would come through the booth, you, you would see them leave thinking, I didn't know this existed. And so we partnered that as well as other teaching tools in the booth as well to, um, to help you know, with a larger discussion about the problems of the actual, you know, some of the many things that we wear that are that are poly- fossil fuel based. But that was a really exciting um, outreach project we did this this year. That sounds amazing. I mean, Earth Optimism, there's nothing wrong with that in my book. I, I tell people that I'm an, op- uh, an environmental optimist. And sometimes people are, are like, they can't imagine those two words in one sentence, never mind one thought. And I feel like 
it's kind of what we have to be, right? Like there's so much, I feel like optimistic and forward, forward thought, you have to have optimism to have that thought, right? Otherwise, why bother? And I feel pretty strongly that humans are so much more powerful than we have, you know, been able to scientifically document that we have certainly the ability to change um, what, you know, the issues are that are keeping us from living in a, in a healthy and um, well-balanced environment. Um, so yeah, Tierney, can you speak a little bit to about the, um, the, the, hot, the sort of structure of the whole project? Yeah, yeah. It's um, we view it sort of as a five-year project. We have a book that we're also writing um, that'll be heavily illustrated, and and really, really celebrate visually the the richness that we've been collecting um, across across biomes and across cultures. Um, we have a series of museum exhibits that we're putting together that will marry the old and the new, bringing together the biofabricators with the traditional and um, indigenous. Uh, um, so, so innovation within indigenous makers, innovation within biofabricators, and having them cross-pollinate, which hasn't happened um, to the, you know, as much as we, we know it can. Um, we also have interactive workshops that we've been doing. Um, like, like Leslie's got a whole, a whole lineup of different, different workshops that will be coming online for people to sign up. Um, everything from felt making to bark cloth making to, um, bioplastic making. Um, and, um, and, so between our, our book and our exhibits and our webpage, you, where you can dive into any of the fabrics and meet the makers online and see, see the process that, that um, you acquire these, these fabrics. And then another big, big part of it is creating a microscopic library of the fibers as well so that you can see at the, at the microscopic scale what gives them their functional aspects you know you can you can't felt polyester but you can felt wool why is that well you look at the wool fibers and they have these scales on them and when you irritate them enough and um then they'll start to pull together and that's because of their microscopic fiber you know fibers and and some are are stronger than others and some are are warmer than others so we'd love to empower the public with the knowledge of, and uh, you know, why these fabrics have these wonderful material properties, and then also give them the tools to spot the fakes, because <laughs> there's a lot of greenwashing out there. It's really an issue, right? Like so it's, and it, the the cool thing is that I honestly think it's been an issue for a very long time, and I oh, think yeah. now people are, um, you know spotting the fakes right mm -hmm. they're they're aware that like you know it doesn't matter how, oh you can bring your clothes back to h&m but h&m is <laughs> not really doing their job as far as um being gentle with their with planetary um balance and and health and you know excessive consumption is just not the way we're ever going to serve our environment in a, ma in a manner that's um it's worthy of so um 
So five years, you're writing a book, you're doing all these shows. How are people like, what's the best way for people to learn about your project and be in touch with you and kind of stay in the know as far as like what you guys are up to? Well, we would love for people to join our Instagram feed. It's at ATW80 Fabrics. We would love that because we um, we really pour our heart and soul into that. Um, and also to look at our website mm-hmm. where every fabric has its own page and we have an events page where you can follow us and the latest and greatest. Um, we also will be, will be um, creating expeditions where people can come with us in the future. Um, so... So that's another another aspect to get involved, but certainly the website and it's just you know ATW eight mm-hmm. fabrics is is where you yep. can stay up to date. Join, um, sign up to join our our um, our updates and our Instagram. Mm-hmm. We'd love for people to join our Instagram. Cool, and we will post all of this information on our show notes pages. So if anybody's looking for information, if you're driving while you're listening to this or doing something that's hard to stop. Um, not to worry, you can just visit the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast website and you'll be able to get in touch with both Tierney and Leslie and Carol, who is um, someone who I'd love to meet at some point in the future. Um, and I think that the other thing that I'd like to just share a little bit about is that Salvage Magazine, you mentioned it as you were chatting, as we were chatting, um, is a magazine that's produced in in England and the UK. And it's just a beautiful textile focus publication that if you're not familiar with it, I would encourage any listener to just check it out. You can check it out online at selvage.org. And I actually ran across Around the World in 80 Fabrics through an event that they are producing. And of course, you might be listening to this podcast in the future where um, the event that I'm going to reference in a moment has passed, but they run events that are super engaging and interesting to anyone who's kind of textile centric. The one that um, we are produce or we are actually presenting at um, in the same uh, uh, event is called Wardrobe Revolution Weekend, and that is coming up October 8th and 9th, 2022. So um, look into that. You'll uh, you'll see more information about Around the World in 80 Fabrics, as well as more information about me, Crispina French from um, my business is called Crispina. <laughs> That's what happens when you start a business when you're 19 and you just can't think of a name. <laughs> name it after yourself. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for all the good work that you're doing in the world. It's so it's so refreshing. And honestly, I, I don't know how long it's going to take me to process the information that you just shared with me. But it's so exciting to know that this work is happening. And, you know, and, you know, in response to that, I think it's like 67% of the new fabrics that are made in this world today are polyester. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, the statistics that I hold in my head are, you know, the textile industry is the second most polluting industry after oil and gas. Well, it is the oil and gas industry in that, in that realm, right? Polyester is created by um, fossil fuels. So closely tied together um, I think uh, that it's time now that we are, and, and, you know, not something that we're trying to do, but we are actually doing um, such good work that it's coming apart. People are realizing it. People are becoming aware of the greenwashing. People are able to disseminate like what is actually helpful and what is actually designed for um, a money-making endeavor by big corporations that are not really um, 
with the best interests of the planet um, in mind. And with that, I just want to say that I'm sure that both of you are aware of Yvonne Chouinard's recent uh, change of ownership in, in Patagonia and how just the leadership that we are witnessing in our uh if, if you know our arena our segment of a consumerism is just it's so encouraging right like to see that you know Ivan Chenard just gave his eight billion dollar company to uh, a trust that will nurture the environment and has you know he wrote down his only shareholder is the earth how do you like that Jeff Bezos <laughs> you know like you know just to lead the way in that in that way is just what an American hero. That guy's an American hero. And I just like want to celebrate that and have, you know, that awareness that he is shining out to the world around us brings people to people like us, right? Like they, they need, uh, what do you mean it needs to change? Oh, okay. It needs to change. How do we change it with following around the world in 80 fabrics with listening to this podcast and being um, exposed to people who have answers, right? And, you know, biomechanical fabrics, you guys like, oh my gosh, yes, please. So thank you so much. Is there anything you'd like to share in closing before we um, head out on, into the wild blue yonder uh, in the rest of our days? Well, I'll just add real quick, and then I'll turn I'll let you close out. One of the things where um, we did for the Smithsonian exhibition in particular was we we felt like, well, this is great, but we can't go out and buy all this stuff and we can't replace everything in our wardrobe and we can't do these things that we feel like cost money or time and we just don't have it. And so we came up with about 10 things. And of course, I don't have the list right in front of me, but it was anything from basically things we can start doing today, buy less, right? Don't go buy something today, mend something that you have. Um, wash it less frequently. Don't wash it after every time that you've worn it. Um, hang it to dry. Wash it on cold water. Um, Tierney, what else am I forgetting? Um, use gentle detergents, mm -hmm. and um, you can also you can also put a filter on your on your washing machine, um, and and your dry, make sure you keep your lint your lint filters dry because three times more microfibers are released out of your dryer than your washing machine. So hang drying is really, really does make a difference. Um, but keeping that lint filter, you know, and, and having, doing your research and getting the, getting the filters in on your, mm -hmm. on your um, washing is, is really important. So we can make all these, these changes in how we, our relationship with our clothes so that we do respect them more because they are a source of pollution um, but each one of us can make, can make a change. And then when we do buy something, you know, it may cost a little bit more if you buy something that's, that's not a fast fashion item, but it's going to have such a larger effect in terms of, of helping people. And it comes with a story and it's probably better made. So that price may actually even out in the long run. It certainly will for the planet. So we're we're just hoping that that um this project and like what you're doing, Crispina, and what Selvage is doing, is to to cast a new light on our clothing as a really powerful source of good, 
and a way of not only expressing our personal creativity and our amazing inventiveness, but also a way to give back to the planet um, and work in harmony with all the natural cycles that have made us who we are as a species. So that's beautiful. I am so glad that we had this time to talk and I got to learn all of this wealth of inspiration and optimism and just forward thinking from both of you. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, and thank you for listening listeners out there in podcast land and go to the show notes page, learn more about these, um, women and their project and sign up for their emails and let's make this really, um, successful and, uh, publicly available to people who need it. So the more people that we can kind of jump, get jumping on the bandwagon, the, the more successful we will all be working together. Here, Thank here. you. Thank you so much, Christina. <laughs> we appreciate you having us on. Yep, been delightful. Hey, so I'm over here and I'm serving you a giant air hug because you just finished another episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. Thank you for being with me. Our music is provided by The Lucky Five. Learn more about them at theluckyfive.com. Our show is produced and edited by Van Valhyacin. If you want to dive in deep, head over to rags to riches textile upcycling podcast.com.